Welcome to the podcast, Restore Yourself, Restore Your Marriage, where it's all about discovering the thoughts that get you in the mood, the thoughts that get you out of the mood, and how creating a deeper connection with yourself creates a deeper connection with your spouse. I'm your coach, Shelly Anderson, coaching you through life, love, and intimacy. This is episode number 142, Red Alert, Suicidal Spouses Who Suffer in Silence, Part 2. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today for the second part of this very important topic. We know that suicidal ideation is on the rise and at all-time highs, and so it's super important that we know the signs that we discussed about last week, but then also what to do about it. So before we jump into that, I also wanted to point out this concept of when you're talking to somebody and they reveal to you a plan for suicide. If they give any details, and it doesn't have to be a lot, it doesn't have to be an elaborate plan. It could only be like, just one thing. But when somebody has thought it through in detail, like saying, well, I'm just gonna take all of my parents' pills tonight um, and I won't wake up in the morning, that is a plan. And so whenever we hear a plan with a detail like that, that should be the biggest warning sign to us that they are probably the furthest down the road and the closest to actually attempting suicide. And so it's really important that when we are listening to somebody talk about their challenges or the things that they're going through and to see if we hear a detail like that, we know that it is vital for us to take action at that point. We can't wait around and hope that maybe someone else will be the one to step in. We really need to step in. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about this QPR. So it's kind of like CPR, but we start it with a Q. And so each letter stands for Q is for question, P means persuade, and R, means refer. So question, persuade, refer. Now I really like how this is set up because again, we don't have to have all the answers to know how to help somebody who's in crisis, but we can have the confidence that if we use this QPR method, we are interven- we are being that vital intervention that can get them to the well-trained help that they need. So it's okay if we don't have all the answers and we don't know how to help them get through everything, but if we know QPR, that is going to be so beneficial. So let's dive into this a little bit. So we start off with the letter Q, and this is for question. So we want to really find out if someone is thinking about suicide. This may feel very intimidating to us to think about doing, 
And we can do it in an indirect way. We can do that. And we can also do it in a very direct way. But if we are ever wondering if someone is starting to think about that, just ask. Ask the question. No matter how it's coming out, it is much better to start that conversation with a question. Um, if they seem to be hesitant to have that conversation or to go down that road with you, just give it a few moments and then try to ask again. Sometimes we might need to ask it in a different way or remind them how much love we have for them and that we're there for them. But we still want to try to get to the question if they are considering suicide. One of the best ways we can do this is to do it in a setting where we're alone with them and there's not a lot of people, right? We don't necessarily want to try to have this type of conversation when we're in a crowd or at a party, but we want there to be that connection, that concern, and also allow it to not feel hurried or rushed or don't let anyone else hear what we're talking about. We want there to be that privacy, that consideration, and allow the time for when they start to open up and really express what it is that they are going through. Now, if we're able to ask them a question and they begin talking, we want to make sure that we are awesome listeners. This means we don't want to interrupt them and give them our two cents and say, oh, you shouldn't feel like that or downplay any of the sentences, thoughts, or feelings that they are sharing with you. We don't want to minimize them. So we actually want to be very good listeners and really refrain from interrupting them. Because usually what happens is when we interrupt, the other person, the person who is talking is going to say, oh, they're just thinking about themselves. They're not really listening to me. So let's really try to be good listeners. Another thing that can be really helpful when it comes to trying to have this conversation and when we start asking questions is to know about QPR, is to maybe know some resources that are available. I mean, we all have cell phones at this point, so it is so handy to just be able to put in your contact information or bookmark QPR Institute, the Suicide Prevention Hotline, or if you happen to know any therapist um, personally, you can have their contact information on hand. When you have those things with you, you go into that conversation with so much more confidence instead of saying, oh no, I hope they don't ask me any questions to help them out. So being able to know some websites or if you have any handouts or booklets or anything like that that you can share, just take a few minutes to prepare yourself ahead of time so that you can go into that conversation with more of a listening heart rather than worried that you're not going to be able to answer their questions or actually help them. How you ask the question and the manner in which you ask the question is not as important than the fact that you just ask the question. Are you considering suicide? 
Is that something that has been on your mind? So maybe some indirect ways you could ask it. I'm going to read off a few examples is have you been unhappy lately? Have you been very unhappy lately? A lot of times us just asking that question from things that they're saying or things that we've observed can really open up that dialogue and ask them in a way that maybe feels less intrusive or more like a too difficult of a topic to discuss. Another way is, have you been so unhappy lately that you've been thinking about ending your life? So using that phrase, ending your life, is another way to ask the question if it's really hard for you to get the words suicide out or killing yourself. Another way is, do you ever wish you could go to sleep and never wake up? So I actually have heard this one before quite often with a few people that I know personally who have really considered suicide and they were showing signs of it. And they actually said these words, I've considered just going to sleep and not waking up. And so when I heard that, I knew for sure that that person was really in a dark place and really considering suicide as their solution. But if they haven't said that, it's also something that you can ask. Now for a more direct approach to ask the question, you could say, you know, when people are as upset as you seem to be, they sometimes wish they were dead. I'm wondering if you are feeling that way too. So that's just a very direct way to ask, but you're also saying this is sometimes the way other people feel who are experiencing the things that you're feeling. Another way is you're looking really sad. You're looking really miserable, like you're suffering. And I'm wondering if you are thinking about suicide. And so it shows that you kind of have that care and that concern for them, that you're observing them and you're asking them the question. The most direct way, and this is more effective with teenage boys and with men, is just the straight out question. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Sometimes, Men just really appreciate the very direct approach and will often respond to that. If you find that it's really hard for you to think about asking these questions, try to formulate a question in a way that feels comfortable to you that is still asking the question either super directly or more of an indirect way but make sure you take the time to actually go through that process. Now, there are just a few things I wanna point out as things or as ways to not ask the question because we don't wanna downplay or minimize what it is they're actually going through. So here's how to not ask the question. We don't wanna say, you're not thinking of killing yourself, are you? You wouldn't do anything stupid now, would you? Or suicide is a dumb idea. Surely you're not thinking about suicide. 
this can seem like a very common approach or a very natural approach that we hope might get them to tap into the smart and sensible side of themselves, but it actually kind of sends them a mixed message. And they're not usually in the place to receive that type of mixed message. So we're kind of saying like, please tell me that you're not suicidal, even though I think you are, and that's why I'm bringing it up. So they will start to be very concerned, like, do they really care about me? Do they just not want to know so they can feel okay? We don't want to send them mixed messages when they are already feeling very vulnerable. Okay, so that's the cue, is to ask the question about whether they are thinking about suicide. Okay, let's move on to the letter P. The letter P stands for persuade. And what we really wanna do here is, again, become the best listeners that we can possibly be. We want to listen to whatever it is that they are going through or struggling with and really give our full, full, full attention. We want to let them know that we care about them. We care about what they're going through and that we are actually showing up and being there for them. Even if that means like we're just listening right then and there in that moment. So one way for us to really approach this also is to remember that suicide is not the problem in and of itself, but suicide is actually seen as the only solution to an unsolved problem. So the person who's considering it really does believe that suicide is the only solution they have for solving whatever challenges they are experiencing. So we can't just push the concept of suicide aside because that's kind of where they are. That's where they are struggling. They do really believe that that is their only solution to whatever the problem is. We really need to be able to make that um, distinction for us and that will help us also be able to not dismiss suicide when they start talking about it. When someone does start talking to us, we need to really slow down our own brain and not be judgmental of them and not diminish the things that they are going through. When I was learning about the QPR method, it, it said, close your mouth and open your ears. We need to be the ones doing less talking when someone is really in the place where they're considering suicide. We need to do way more listening. So we can do whatever is in our ability to offer hope. This is what it means to persuade, is to keep talking about that there is hope for them, that there are people who have gone through what they're going through, and that there are ways that they can come out on the other side. Hope is what saves lives. So we wanna make sure that we keep that in the forefront of our mind 
is to offer hope and talk about the word hope. Share and express hope with them. And then as part of trying to persuade them to not go through with the suicide, but also to get help is you can just ask them, will you go with me to get some help? This question is so beautiful because it shows them that they don't have to continue going through this alone, that you're there. You will go with them. You'll drive them. You'll help them through it to get to the next level of help. You're there with them. You can ask, will you let me get you some help? Again, this is such a beautiful question. A lot of times when somebody is feeling very depressed and down and are really considering suicide, they are unable to tap into the higher part of their brain that thinks rationally and logically and can start doing a lot of research and look up all the names and figure out which one is the best fit. That could just be one thing, one more thing on their plate that they just cannot do. So being able to offer to help them do that is so beautiful and it offers them that immediately immediate relief right then and there in the moment but also hope that they don't have to find a solution when they already didn't think there was one but that you're going to help help them do some of the research and ask them will you promise me not to kill yourself until we have found some help We may think this is an odd question at first, but this is actually a super, super effective question when somebody is at that place. You ask them to make a promise to you to not take any action that would lead towards their death or towards suicide. You ask them to make that promise and just hold on until we can get some help. Because that's the time that they actually need. And sometimes making a promise to somebody else when they're in that state will make a big difference. They will feel more obligated to follow through with that promise and hold off if they are making it with somebody else who is trying to help them. Okay, now let's talk about the letter R. This means to refer. So again, we don't have to have all the answers of how to help somebody. A lot of times they're going through things that we just have no idea how to relate to. And it's okay, that's okay. What we want to do is be able to help them get help. We want to refer them to the professionals. So suicidal people often believe that they are beyond help, that they just cannot be helped. So we actually are being a very valuable player and participant when we step up and say, hey, we are here to help because we're approaching it with the understanding that they don't think that there's help and that they probably can't get help, that they're beyond it. So their motivation to even try is super low or zero. So us being able to do that is a huge relief for them. The best referral involves taking the person directly to somebody who can help. 
If they live close, this is a fabulous idea. You just say, don't worry about it. Get in the car, I'll drive you. Let's go. It's such a beautiful act of love and kindness when someone really is at the end of their rope. If we don't live close to somebody and we can't physically drive them to a crisis center or to a therapist, then the next best thing we can do is getting a commitment from them to actually accept help, to just accept help and that you will help them find the help that they need. And so sometimes that means that they are just going to sit for the next 10 minutes while you're on the phone with them and you get on your computer and you start doing some research and you're still having that conversation and you're still giving them new information, new ideas and talking about some referrals that are in their area close to where they live. But just showing that you are still involved in the process with them and that you're not leaving them alone can be so valuable. And the third best thing we can do is give them referral information and try to get a good faith commitment from them again to not take any negative action or self-harm towards their bodies. Any, 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 any willingness they have to accept your help is all good. They're all good signs. Even if they agree, yes, I'll get some help, but it's gotta be, you know, sometime in the near future, that is still so positive and it means that you guys are heading in the right direction. Almost all efforts and attempts to persuade someone to live and to get the help that they are in need of will be met with agreement and relief. So let's not hesitate to get involved because we are providing relief right then and there for them. We can also just find out if there's anyone else close by that can help. Maybe there's another close family member who can also be involved or another really good friend, people at church, a neighbor. Find else. Find out who else can be involved and part of their support system. Going to churches and talking to bishops or the clergy, a lot of times they have programs for this type of situation. And so being able to know and contact whatever church they go to can also be of great benefit. It's important to follow up with that person too and just check in with them and see how they're doing. See if they found a ride or if they need an extra ride to their next appointment with their therapist. And when we say positive things to them, like we want them to live, we want them to stay alive and that we care about them and that we are really concerned about them, that gives them that hope. It gives them hope and that is so key. Okay, some final points and then we will wrap up. For anyone listening to this podcast, it's important to know that you may be the only person in this person's life that knows some of the signs and the hidden codes and be able to recognize when someone is in that place and then know what to do about it. And so it's important to just remember them and not hesitate because it could be that nobody else that they know 
knows. When warning signs show up, they will start to feel more immobilized and less able to take action. But that's when we can take those actions for them. We can think clearly. We can be motivated to act on their behalf to help them. So with QPR, the thing to remember is like CPR, we want to act quickly. We don't want to wait around. We don't want to depend and hope that somebody else might step in. If we recognize the symptoms, we want to start with the QPR right away. We want to move quickly. And some final notes that if you do recognize the signs in somebody, look around. If they are close by, look around. Make sure if it's within your ability that you're able to take away some of the objects that might make it easy for them to commit suicide. See if you can take them away and remove them from their reach, out of their grasp, and off the premises until they are in a better place. Same thing with alcohol and drugs. Those lower people's inhibitions and then they will take more risky actions and those can usually lead to someone taking that drastic decision. Um, so finally, we want to just end with these references for you. Again, you can take a class. It's only about 90 minutes at the QPR Institute online. And the other phone number that is really important to know is 1-800-273-TALK. So if you happen to find that your spouse is showing some of these signs or any other loved one, please act quickly with QPR, question, persuade, and refer. Because remember, the more you restore this type of intimacy with yourself, the more you restore it with your spouse and others. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you will join me again next week.